0: welcome to the future of agriculture podcast the show that explores the people companies and ideas that are shaping the future of agribusiness innovation resourcefulness and collaboration are essential for feeding a growing population and we believe the agriculture industry is up for the challenge please welcome your host tim hammeridge hello and welcome to the future of agriculture podcast my name is Tim Hambridge. I'm an agribusiness recruiter, and it's my pleasure to bring you these stories every week of the people, companies, and ideas shaping the future of agriculture. And we are proud to be a part of the Farm and Rural Ag Network that is a collection of a variety of different agricultural podcasts and YouTubers. So check out more information on those folks at farmruralag.com. I hope you've been along on this journey with us through the world of blockchain and how that might be uh, affecting the future of agriculture. It's been Certainly interesting to, to learn more about it and to look at it from a variety of viewpoints. Uh, we started in episode 81 just getting a general background. And then you heard last week from uh, the founders of Origin Trail that are getting ready to do their initial coin offering uh, for their protocol related to supply chains on the blockchain. Uh, going to get a another very important and unique view on blockchain here today, and that is that, that of a professor of finance. We have on the show Dr. Nishan. Doss. He is an associate professor of finance at the Scheller College of Business at Georgia Tech. He's been there for over 10 years and teaches a variety of classes um, on finance and entrepreneurship and international business. Uh, he teaches uh, undergrads, MBA students, as well as the executive MBA uh, classes as well. So um, he is a very, very obviously well-studied, well-read uh, individual, and he's he's taken a fascination with startups and with the world of startups. Uh, he mentioned to me me before we started rolling here about how he would just kind of run across startups in, in his local neighborhood there and then just became more and more interested in entrepreneurship. So he advises a lot of startups on, on issues related to finance, but also uh, related to blockchain. And that's kind of why we have uh, brought him onto the program here. He has studied blockchain for a long time and has um, some, some great examples here. Of, first of all, how Bitcoin and blockchain are different, built on the same infrastructure but, but d- different. Uh, why blockchain could impact every sector of the economy. He offers some great examples of blockchain potential use in fisheries as well as in wine. And then we all, we talk a great deal about the limitations of blockchain. I've alluded to this in the past, but we get into it more about, yes, we know what blockchain is to an extent, but what what is blockchain not? And, and what are going to be the limitations to its future growth? So I think you'll enjoy every aspect of this conversation here with Dr. Nishant Doss. He starts off talking about why he loves working with startups.
1: Um, But I really enjoy, I think, um, working with startups much more than, um, say, a large company because I think a lot of exciting innovation happens at that ground level, that grassroots level where the startup is still trying to figure out exactly what problem they're trying to solve Mm. and helping them sort of discover that problem, uh, the right problem and the right solution is very exciting. So so I I like uh, working with startups uh, very much.
0: Well, I know you have have done some work in a a lot of um, looking into blockchain. Can can you, for starters, take us back to when you first found out about blockchain and what your journey has been like in in exploring the topic up to this point? I think that will help all of us sort of hop on your journey where, where we might be today.
1: Right, right. So so as a professor of finance, you know, I, uh, in my sort of, uh, if I put my finance hat, uh, I teach international finance, and I've taught that for 11 years. So much of the course focuses on currency markets and foreign exchange and those kinds of things. And because of that focus on currencies, I came across Bitcoin in 2011, you know, several years ago. And at that time, of course, uh, I thought it was a crazy idea. And the reputation of Bitcoin um, wasn't, you know, pristine. It sort of suffered from uh, its association with, uh, you know, uh, actors like Silk Root uh, and then the meltdown at Mount Gox, which was an exchange for Bitcoin. All of that left sort of um, a bad taste of, uh, regarding Bitcoin uh, amongst all. And um, so overall, I think Bitcoin very much stayed on the fringes for me. And, and you know, as we know, it started from those um, sort of fringe elements who were kind of revolting against the the Great re- Recession and uh, against the, the, the large, um, powerful banks that sort of were, at least to some extent, responsible for the Great Recession. So it started on those fringes and it stayed um, sort of, um, you know, in terms of ideas, really on the fringes until, you know, uh, I think 2014, 2015, things really started to sort of gain traction and um, Bitcoin became uh, of uh, broader interest, uh, came to the mainstream. And that's roughly my trajectory as well. I think around 2014 is when I started to take it a bit more seriously and, and thought that there was more to it than just you know, people using it for uh, nefarious activities. So so I think like most people, uh, I started to pay attention to it and um, started to pay attention to the technology underlying Bitcoin, uh, which is uh, the blockchain. And I think that to me seemed much more promising than the Bitcoin itself. So. While Bitcoin is both brilliant and quirky, I think I think it's just a narrow application of blockchain, and the the broader applications of blockchain are are much more fascinating, and I, I really think the possibilities there are uh, infinite.
0: Yeah, on those possibilities, I, you know, anyone who's listened to the previous episodes I've done in the series on blockchain knows how how excited I am about the possibilities. Of course, we still don't know exactly what those are going to end up looking like. Uh, And I've heard people say that, you know, the impact of blockchain could be as big as the impact the internet has had. Do, Do you think that's hyperbole to say that? Or is that fair to say?
1: So I think it's not at all a hyperbole. I think uh, so. Bitcoin price may give you an indication of hyperbole. Uh, I mean, look at what happened with the stock price of, you know, uh, for example, uh, a Long Island iced tea company. I don't know if you heard this, but just a few days ago, this uh, this company called Long Island Iced Tea, they decided to call themselves uh, the Long Island Blockchain Company, and they are pivoting from making, um, I, I think, syrups for iced tea and diving full fully into blockchain and their stock price jumped by 500% in a day. So I think there's clearly a lot of hyperbole uh, if you if you start to see things like that or if you see the price of bitcoin itself I mean it's gone from I, I clearly remember uh less than $900 uh, earlier this year to you know reaching a peak of uh, 19,000. So there is some hyperbole in in uh, I think bitcoin there's a lot of frothiness there. Mm-hmm. But I think Bitcoin uh, is, uh, is not blockchain. And, and I think uh, we, we need to sort of make that distinction very clear. Um, blockchain, the underlying technology, is, is not frothy. It's not uh, hyperbole. I think there's a lot of true promise in that underlying technology. So I think it's important for, uh, for uh, you know, the audience to, to make that distinction that Bitcoin is just one example of blockchain, but blockchain is not Bitcoin. So the frothiness that we see in those prices is not to be confused with the true promise of blockchain. So I think um, the, I think we must remember that um, the best way to sort of think about what the blockchain can do is if the World Wide Web was about exchanging information and Bitcoin is about exchanging money, then blockchain is about exchanging value. And if you look at it from that perspective, it's much broader, much more, Um, beneficial for businesses and has a much bigger scope than uh, the internet. I think uh, blockchain, at least in my opinion, will prove to be much more revolutionary than the internet was. And um, I think that's already a very high bar because the internet has made a huge impact on our society. It has really improved lives across the globe and is considered to be one of the greatest breakthroughs in the history of civilization. And I think blockchain is going to be much bigger than that. Uh, I I think blockchain is going to surpass that easily. It's I at least feel that it's really uh, the genie has been unleashed, and in the coming years, we're just going to see much more, uh, you know, transformation of businesses and society. I think we're just starting to uh, scratch the surface here, and I I think um, it's going to impact every industry, every sector of the economy. The businesses that we know today will not look uh, like anything. Um, you know, they'll, they would look very different in, in the years to come. So I think it, it, there is um, perhaps um, too much excitement in the Bitcoin space. But I think if we start to uh, take a deep breath and look at the underlying technology, there's a lot of promise here.
0: Yeah. Can you, diving into that a little bit, some of that promise, some of those applications that you see, most of the people listening here are from, you know, looking at things from an interest in agriculture or food. Um, Could you give us some kind of solid examples of how you see this technology developing in supply chains?
1: Uh, Right. So I think, um, so first it has to uh, like with any new technology, it has to address problems. It has to solve real business problems. And only then uh, will it become a must-have technology. Uh, without those real business problems, uh, it'll just remain a shiny, sort of nice-to-have object. And so that's something to keep in mind. So I think we need to look at where the problems lie. So, so um, you know broadly I would sort of agree with the five things that you pointed out in your uh, recent podcast uh, as the most promising areas you know things like transparency in the uh, supply chain food safety uh, transactions costs um, uh, accessibility of uh, to new markets and logistics uh, I should mention that some of these uh, would uh, sort of uh, reap the biggest benefits by uh, a a good marriage of blockchain and IOT, uh, not just blockchain. But still, I think there's a lot of potential for blockchain to bring sort of gains to the agricultural sector. So in terms of actual examples, you know, I can talk about a few. So uh, first, um, uh, I'll sort of piggyback on what you talked about last time, which was uh, your experience working as a grain buyer and all the paperwork that you had to deal with. So I think uh, the problem, uh, as I see, uh, is... You, at your end, had to manage a ton of paperwork and, and sort of created a ledger, if you will, uh, at your end. The grain farmer also managed a ton of paperwork and, and had yet another ledger at their end. And then the, you had another sort of um, you know, a customer downstream that you sold the grain to. They had their own ledger. So I think this is a perfect use case for blockchain because, after all, you know, blockchain is a database that's shared between multiple parties who cannot fully trust each other and yet, would like to sort of modify the database, have some some control on on that database uh, in a peer to peer fashion. So, so I think, uh, and and yet not requiring a central in, intermediary. So something like that, where you have a lot of uh, um, sort of ledgers, if you will, uh, and everybody is trying to uh, to keep their own copy of the ledger, and then trying to reconcile those to make sure that they're they're perfectly matched. Those are the sort of typical situations where blockchain can bring in a lot of efficiency. So, so that's one example that comes to mind. The second I would say is um, one of the sort of more um, off the beaten path example, if I would say, is uh, management of fisheries uh, in the food supply chain. So it's not, I don't know if you call that agriculture per se, but uh, you know, in the food supply chain broadly, the management of fisheries is is obviously crucial. And I think some of the problems that we see there in the harvesting of fish and bringing fish from uh, water to our table, uh, some of those problems can be addressed with blockchain. So so first, you know, what are the kinds of problems? Well, uh, there's a lot of record keeping involved. Uh, that record keeping is laborious, it's manual, and it may be error prone. Second, uh, we don't know anything about the conditions in which the fish was harvested, the conditions under which it stayed while it was making its way through the supply chain. Third, we don't know whether the fish was harvested in a sustainable fashion, whether, whether any laws or regulations were violated in terms of where it was uh, fished. And finally, we cannot be sure uh, what we see is what we get. Uh, I mean, you know, whether there's fraud or adulteration involved. So all of these problems can be addressed in a very nice way with blockchain because ultimately it's it's an immutable uh, and transparent uh, database, if you will. And then um, I would say... Uh, uh, another example where sort of agriculture more broadly can benefit from utilizing blockchain and IoT together uh, is the following. So it, it's sort of an example that's kind of out there. It's it's not you know it's it's not something we would ordinarily think about when we think of uh, agriculture, but it's still within the wheelhouse of uh, what blockchain can do for uh, food supply chain. So the example that I have in mind is from the vine industry. What I what I was thinking is you know so for for the most part the terroir of a region. You know what they what, what they call the terroir in in, in French um, that 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 results in the best wines is is really a mystery. We don't know exactly what combination of soil, temperature, moisture, sunlight, uh, time of harvest, etc would create the best wine. And on top of that, you obviously have the grape varietal that plays a uh, big role. So we have a billion possibilities or combinations of these factors uh, that result in a wine that is very distinct. So I think it would be uh, great if we could uh, if we could emulate the best finds and have more of those to go around and I think blockchain uh, blockchain sort of uh, can help us uh, um, you know uh, enable that in a way so what I had in mind is um, let's say if individual vineyards could capture all the data through sensors which is where IOT sort of comes into play and put that data on on the blockchain by acting as a node on the network then um, with data analytics, we would know uh, what are the optimal conditions that are conducive to making a great vintage. And the question is, um, you know, why would a vineyard uh, give away their secret sauce? So I think um, the, the answer to that is they would themselves benefit because by comparing their own uh, vintages across years, they would know what are the best combinations that can result in a very good wine.
0: Yeah, no, that, that's interesting. And then also it actually, um, it brings to light what maybe the highest and best use for that grape might be rather than just putting it in a block with everything else that's in that area. Um, maybe that grape is very distinct in a certain quality from others that would make, you know, that would add to certain wine flavors. Um, I think that's a really interesting example because wine is so dynamic that, you know, there's so yeah. many variables that you can't possibly you know, just track everything all together at once. So I think that's an interesting application. Is there anything you hear about blockchain that you just think, you know, seems pretty far-fetched? I mean, the limitations of it, like anything else, we're all going to get excited. There are uh, uh, just unlimited possibilities of what we can do with it. But is there anything that you've heard out there you think, well, that's just probably beyond, beyond the scope of what blockchain could really do, at least right now?
1: so um, so I don't have a particular example in mind but I think it's important to keep uh, in mind what are what are the limitations of blockchain I think it's uh, um, there are certain limitations and uh, and while it's an exciting revolutionary technology it's not the panacea to all our problems uh, uh, you know um, so I think the biggest limitation of blockchain is is uh, speed uh, at which uh, transactions can happen and and the fact that it's um, uh, it's a very cumbersome and complex technology so so on t- speed first you know uh, so the way the blockchain works is on uh, the uh, each node on the blockchain network has to store the entire blockchain and all the states, uh, meaning everything that has happened, the full description of truth has to be copied onto each node. So that provides for a lot of security, but that limits scalability. Now, some of the spa- smartest minds in the space, uh, you know, in the blockchain space are working on cracking this uh, scalability problem with solutions like uh, things like sharding and and lightning network and whatnot, uh, which are clearly outside the scope of our discussion. But I think, uh, long story short, the blockchain solves problems uh, in in a number of ways, uh, primarily arising from the lack of trust in a central intermediary. But that security uh, in a trustlet environment comes at a cost uh, in terms of transaction speed. So I think um, there is no free lunch. I mean, yes, it solves a lot of problems, but it has its own sort of baggage, uh, if you will. Uh, the second limitation uh, that I think of uh, blockchain is um, that it's you know it's it's not an easy thing. It's it's a cumbersome technology and. Um, we are we're not quite ready for prime time. I think. Uh, I think folks at uh, the Hyperledger project and the Ethereum Foundation are uh, working very hard to make the technology more accessible to to ordinary big business folks. But we are still at a point where we need to be a a computer science expert to make it work. And and it sort of reminds me of the internet uh, of the early nineteen nineties. I think uh, it, internet at that stage in in the early nineties was not something that you and I could have used easily. You had to be Able to program things to 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 send an email, for example. You know, I think um, we're at those very early stages. You know, uh, some people say it's uh, the, the technology, the blockchain technology, is still in in uh, diapers. I think it's still growing. Uh, so so there's um, there's um, you know this cumbersome and complex nature of technology that that will make it uh, at least not readily uh, accessible to to. To folks, let's say in the uh, agriculture sector, the third problem with blockchain, uh, in my opinion, is that um, that with any network. I think so. It uh, it needs a network where everybody within the network is using that that uh, piece of technology. So, uh, let's say if we uh, think of uh, blockchain within the agricultural supply chain. So, how do we convince all the different entities, You know, all the way from farmers and buyers uh, upstream to wholesalers and retailers downstream to be on the blockchain. I think the solution to this uh, lies in identifying a key problem, a, a pain point that is affecting all these stakeholders. And um, I'm optimistic about um, overcoming this hurdle because uh, of what you see happening in the in the uh, in the Actech space. You know, you, giants like Walmart and Nestle and Conagra are working with IBM uh, and and taking the lead and tinkering with blockchain to solve real business problems. So if it starts from them. I think adoption would be much easier, but, but it's still important to remember that you need the network to uh, accept this uh, as a technology. Mm-hmm. So building the network would be, would be crucial and, and, and a daunting challenge. Uh, I would like to mention two other sort of uh, somewhat minor uh, limitations, if you will. Uh, one is that a blockchain doesn't guarantee truth. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I mean is, you know, if we were to say uh, sky is green and we put that in the blockchain and it's included and accepted in the blockchain, It'll remain there forever. So while sky is not green, but if you know, if garbage in, then garbage out. So blockchain is simply an immutable database, but it doesn't guarantee uh, truth. It's it's it just says that what went in uh, was untampered and remained so, but it doesn't say what went in for the first time was true. So we have to be very careful about uh, that first entry, the first genesis of the blockchain, that that. Uh, the feeding of the data in the first instance is accurate and true. And lastly, I would say it's a technology used by people, and therefore, all the foibles of uh, human nature will affect the governance of blockchain. You know, um, uh, example that comes to mind is uh, think of net neutrality. You know, people have been so divided on their views and, and about net neutrality. The politics of net neutrality has been so divisive. Uh, and yet it's going to shape the direction that the future of internet takes. So that is not to say anything about the technology, the internet itself, but how we as a society, as people deal with that technology is going to affect the future of that technology. So I think the same would hold true for blockchain as well. Uh, so it's not a limitation of blockchain per se, but it's something to keep uh, keep in mind that, you know, it's, it's, it's uh, yes, it's a technology, but how we adapt it and how we put it to use, uh, will be affected by, by these, these sort of, um, sociological and political forces.
0: Yeah. Going back to one of the things you said there, um, you mentioned like the sky being green, right? So if you and I have a transaction where we said, we meant to say the sky was blue, but we said the sky was green and went in there wrong. Uh, we can't change that. We would have to kind of, you know, this is all theoretical, but we'd have to make another transaction that says actually that last one was wrong. And we both agree that the sky is actually blue. It, right. it works. Ha, I mean, I know it's immutable, but uh, in order to get something changed on the blockchain, I guess you need enough um, participants to to agree on on a change. Is, do you know how
1: that works? Yes, yes. So, so um, you know, if we think of blockchain as a database, so it's a database that is um, only appended, cannot be edited, cannot be deleted. And it can only be you know you can only add to it you cannot take away from it so if something was added that was wrong um you know several blocks away several blocks ago i should say and you want to make a change to that block recognizing a a, a true mistake then you know, like with everything else in the blockchain, you have to announce to the network that that particular transaction was wrong, and I 'm now going to correct it, so the entire network agrees to that and makes that change or accepts that as a change so you can 't go undo it several block blocks uh, uh, ago, but you can write a new block and say that transaction that happened you know x number of blocks before was wrong, and therefore I need to correct it yeah. so so you know, like with everything else in the blockchain, you're essentially announcing it to the open wide world or uh, the entire network that this is what you have and this is what you did. If you did something wrong, you then come again and say, uh, I did you know, what I did was wrong and therefore I need to make that change. So you can't, you can't edit it, you can't delete it, but you can add another sort of block or uh, make uh, additions to the database that, that say that that was wrong and I need to um, change it from green to blue.
0: Gotcha. And then there will be permanently a record that you messed up the first time, but you corrected it and moved That's on. That's right. That's right. Understood. So the, the the crystal ball question I have for you here is, is uh, what's what do you think the timeline for widespread adoption of, of, of blockchain in supply chains looks like? I mean, are we talking, you know, a couple of years away, decades away? Well, you know, what does that look like, do you think?
1: So I think at the very broad level, I would say, I mean, you know, just to sort of put some numbers here, uh, I would look at a uh, horizon of 10 to 15 years uh, at the very least to see the full potential of blockchain. I think it's going to happen, but it's not going to happen in a year or two. Uh, uh, I would say 2017 for blockchain is sort of like the year 1993 for the internet. I think we are only going to uh, enjoy the, the full extent of the te- technology in, in the years to come. and. Um, I think 2018 uh, seems to be a promising uh, you know, year. I think we, we need to be looking forward to, to what will happen. I think clearly we are not there yet. We're just scratching the surface so far. So, uh, you know, in general, I think the, the Amazons and the Facebooks of the world, uh, for any new technology, they rise on the backs of dead uh, companies like WebVans and, and MySpaces of that world. You know, the pioneers always take arrows in the back and only then we see the space maturing. And, um, you know, with the, the, the price of Bitcoin Bitcoin being what it is, I think clearly there's too much froth in the space, uh, at least currently. And we are in the very, very early stages. We haven't seen the failures of startups. We haven't seen pioneers taking arrows in the back. Once we start to see that, I think then we can expect a shake out and I don't think one, sh- uh, one should not be making you know precise predictions like this, but let me take a shot at this. So I think 2018 would be an important year because we should expect to see many more blockchain experiments or projects coming online. And I think only in 2019 or so we'll start to see uh, failures. And, you know, if I had to really sort of go out on a limb and, uh, I would say a late 2019, is when we'll know better of what's going to work and what will not. And that would be, uh, at least in my opinion, the right place and time to bet on, on the future winners. And only after, I think, 2020 and beyond uh, would be the time when we uh, start to see blockchain mature as a technology and go mainstream. And we'll start to see, um, you know, really solve problems uh, that we are talking about uh, on paper uh, as of now. So I think it's we're still sort of in the very early stages. We'll see a couple of years... Uh, uh, will take a couple of years to at least um, have the technology mature, and only then uh, in the next 10, 15 years will it 'll start to become much more widespread, much more mainstream i mean think of the internet you know it, it, again if we are starting in the 1993s or ninety four um, uh, around that period of internet, uh, it took at least twenty years to really see the full potential of what the internet could do right. and um you know, blockchain may be a little more accelerated in that respect. So maybe another ten years, but uh, but no sooner. I think it'll take us a while to to really see the the full potential of what blockchain can do. I, it will happen. I, I think it's uh, it's almost inevitable. It's it's like the writing is on the wall. It's going to happen, but it's uh, it's not going to happen easily. I think because of the, the a few limitations that I pointed out. It's a complex technology. It needs a network. So those kinds of things are going to play a role, and and um, and you know will keep it from expanding uh, and uh, really becoming much more prevalent very quickly. So it'll take a while, but it'll happen. The question
0: I have, you know, is is everybody's got a vested interest in it? But who has enough of a vested interest in it to? To make a scalable business model out of it you know what I mean so I'm-
1: right so I think uh, so again I think the couple of things that have to happen one uh, it has to come from uh, the top you know leadership from the com- likes of Walmart and Conagra and Nestle and I think we're starting to see that so I think that's promising the other is I think we uh, uh, the five areas that you identified those are the true five areas and we just have to figure out what are what are the pain points that afflict these different stakeholders if we can bring value if we can uh, relieve these these customers of a pain and and bring uh, a benefit to them, they will adopt it it's a matter of finding those those the, the right you know problems to solve and that's where I feel like we haven't seen um, startups getting shot in the in the back with arrows and um, struggling and, and experimenting and, and failing and then we start to see what are the right areas so I think um, two ways of doing it. One, the big ones have to take the lead, Walmarts and Nestle's of the world, which they are doing. And second, we have to see a lot of uh, projects come online. Uh, some will fail. Once, once they start to say, uh, fail, we'll start to realize what's not working and therefore what we should focus on next and, and focus on the ones that are going to work. So I, I completely agree. I think this, this, uh, this uh, sort of chicken and egg problem in any network is, is what prevents a network from taking hold. Right. And blockchain is very much a network. You know, it has to get everybody on board. And how do you get that um, going? Uh, it's, it's not easy. But uh, again, I think the only thing that we as, a, as an outsider at least can hope for is that many other projects will come online. Some will fail and we'll start to see where the, the best uh, promising areas are.
0: Great. Well, we've been talking to uh, Dr. Nishant Doss, Associate Professor of Finance at Georgia Tech. Uh, if they want to reach out to you about any of these ideas or, or about advising their startup, of course, after your last answer, I bet everybody's going to be waiting around for the pioneers to die before they start their, their blockchain startup now. But, <laughs> but, but if anybody wants to reach out to you about uh, chatting about these topics, what's the best way to get a hold of you?
1: Well, uh, so just look me up on uh, the Georgia Tech webpage. Um, you know, just put my name and uh, Georgia Tech in Google and you'll find my contact information. And I'd be happy to connect with some of your viewers or, or listeners, I should say, and, and uh, see if we can collaborate. I would love to do that.
0: Great. Thank you so much for the time. This has been exceptional perspective. Uh, it's always great to talk to somebody who I, who I know is uh, so much better, well-read and well-thought through than, than I am. And I really appreciate these insights. Thank you, too hope you enjoyed that and hope you have a little bit more information about uh, what blockchain is and what it is not and some potential uses for it. Uh, Going to hit a series of startup founders for blockchain applications in the coming episodes. So I hope you'll continue on this series with me And, and think for a moment, if you would, one person that you think would be interested in this information shared on the show. And, and my ask of you today would just be to send that person a text message right now and say, hey, are you listening to the Future of Agriculture podcast? Very interesting series on blockchain. That would be a huge help uh, to spread the word. I appreciate that. And if everybody does it, we'll, we'll double our downloads next week. So uh, get right on it. I am sure you will. Thank you very much for listening. We'll be back next week with another extremely interesting example of blockchain. This one you're not going to want to miss thank you for listening to the future of agriculture podcast with tim hammerich visit futureofag.com that's future of ag, ag today to get connected into careers in the agriculture industry thanks again for listening and we'll see you next week